Hey, hey, welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. I'm Daniela, and I have a special guest today. And of course, we have Jamie here with us, and we are stoked to be here. Oh, yeah. Well, I will let our guest uh, introduce herself and take it away. Hi, um, I'm Gianni. So I'm a student midwife and a doula, and very new. It's been two years into this journey and it's gone by so fast I love it so much I feel like there's nothing else that I'm called to do and I learned so much in the first year because it was 2020 and it was COVID so I wasn't able to do anything birth related especially in Florida when surprisingly the lockdowns were pretty strict during 2020 Um, but I was able to gather all the knowledge that I could I mean obviously still learning and will until I die but 2020, I learned a lot to be able to implement it in 2021. When I moved here, me and my husband moved November of 2020. So we've been here for over a year now. Um, And yeah, I've been so, so blessed to meet all these amazing women, especially you guys. Mm. Um, But there's so many women in my life who I can, you know, call on and just say that they were the ones who really put things in perspective and line things up for me along with God, of course. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So great. Yeah. yeah. We're so stoked to have you on here. Thanks for being down for this last minute invitation. Very last minute. <laughs> That's how we roll around here. Yeah. The midwife life. Yeah. I think you were texting me like, hey, do you want to join me in a birth? And it was podcast. Like I, you know, oh. cut off and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about this. <laughs> no, we're just spontaneous. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So thanks for being down. And yeah, thanks for being willing to talk about your journey and share that. Like I mentioned before on this podcast, I'm sure I've said it, uh, when I was, before I was a student midwife, but wanting to be that and looking for information on what that can be like, I couldn't find much Yeah, other than the CNM route. And I was like, well, I know I don't want to do that, but I also didn't know anything about different types of midwives. So... I just figured, well, if you're a home birth midwife, then you're just, a, that just means you're a traditional midwife. I didn't know any, the nuances. So I didn't even know women gave birth at home. Okay. Well, oh, yeah. So extreme. I didn't know that for like, a while. I'm a different person with this view. And uh-huh. my whole family thinks I'm nuts. And <laughs> I, I mean, my dad loves it though. He's super supportive about oh. it. But yeah, I remember I didn't even know women could give birth at home. I thought that they were just crazy. Like that's child abuse. You know, I thought it was nuts. Um, and then, so it's, it's just evident. The transition is a calling, you know, that I, this is my purpose. So, um, you said something reminded me of something else I was getting. Well, when we first met up and talked and you said that I reminded you a lot of where, how you started. Oh, my journey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it, yeah. I didn't even know traditional midwife versus medwife and Uh, this wife. And, you know, I didn't. (laughs) I just thought there's a midwife and there's only one type and that's it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just be that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's all I know. Mm -hmm. So coming here to Hawaii has, it's a completely different perspective, especially, you know, learning under Jamie and just listening to her. I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was a totally different, like separate part of the spectrum, you know, on the other side of what I've learned, what a midwife is. Um, So it's just, it's such a good balance. I feel like I came to Hawaii for a reason too, even if I'm, a doula and I'm not attending birth as a student midwife here, just the perspective I've learned about, you know, opens all the doors of what I could be. So 
Mm, yeah. And you got here at the perfect time. I mean, if you'd yeah. gotten any later, I, I know. Just because it's one of the few places where Minogue hasn't been fully mainstream, right? And with legislation only recently having been implemented, we still have just more diversity, thankfully. Right. Yeah. Um, which is harder to find in places that have been regulated for a long time. And before, I mean, I never looked into midwifery laws or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That was a whole other thing to deal with. So I thought, wow, we're being stationed in Hawaii. This is going to be perfect. It's all (laughs) natural and holistic. And there's going to be so many midwives. And that wasn't the case at all. And I was kind of heartbroken about that. And um, I've talked to a lot of people and they have the same idea and then I tell them like no it's not really like that yeah and they're so surprised so people definitely have this view right of what Hawaii of what they think Hawaii is like especially with midwifery and it's not yeah not at all it's not you know as supported so right yeah yeah and I think we've mentioned on the podcast before too that like even within our hospital systems our public hospital systems um they're I don't think actively right now there are any midwives delivering at Kapiolani, Queens, or Castle because there was one practice that had midwives. They had at one point they had two, then they had one. And I think they don't have a midwife right now. They're looking for one, or maybe they just recently hired someone, but she's not in action yet, or maybe she chose not to come after all. Um, I I heard it was the military life. And uh, so last minute, her husband or something got stationed somewhere else. Uh, and I believe wow. that. Yeah, I believe so, that. Never mind. Yeah. And then otherwise, Tripler, the military hospital, which is a teaching hospital, they teach nurse midwives. And the only other place that has active midwives is Kaiser Insurance. And right. so, um, so it's pretty remarkable that even in the nurse midwifery realm, which seems to be more accepted mm-hmm. at large by our obstetricians and whatnot, um, it's really not it's, it's not supported here. Yeah. And so then when it comes to the home birth midwives, it's definitely yeah. um, dicey because the obstetrical world doesn't even recognize nurse midwifery as like a valid right. route of, um, of supporting women. So it's really mm-hmm. very, um, yeah, not as natural as people imagine. No, right? <laughs> they think it's, oh, this natural paradise where everyone yeah. just eats coconuts and surfs all day. And, you know, yeah, it's not. I mean, some people do. I know lots of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we tend to actually but, meet a lot of those right. people because they're the ones who are seeking out these alternatives. You just think that everyone in Hawaii, including doctors and nurses, everybody is, you know, island living and relaxed and, you know, and so that they would be more I don't know also holistic and right I don't know just more open-minded about the alternative mm-hmm. route you know because they're just totally well yeah. we're growing on it that's yeah that's part of what we're trying to do yeah <laughs> um could you share about your experience and how, like how did you know that you didn't want to be a CNM and then how did you figure out um just these thoughts about different types of midwives yeah and where you stand with it so my it's a very long testimony. It might be like Great. 40 minutes or something. Perfect. <laughs> um, but I, I have always grown up knowing that I had a purpose and I always, I always believed in God, but um, I never had a relationship with God. I was just like, ah, whatever. That's too much work. But I knew I had a purpose. There was something for me, 
Um, and I had all these different routes. I wanted to be an astronaut and a veterinarian. And then I wanted to be a cardio surgeon and a welder, a tattoo artist, like all these things that I was interested in. And then I went to college because, you know, I was going to be the first one to graduate college in my family and I had to go or I was going to be, you know, broke and homeless. And so I went, I was kind of like, well, what else is there? Right. Especially not even with my family in particular, it's just our generation today. It's like, you go to college. What else are you going to do? Take a gap year? Oh, Mm -hmm. you're nothing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went to community college and I was going to do marine biology. Then I took a biology class and I hated biology. (laughs) So I was like, I'm not going to do anything with biology. And then I wanted to get into astronomy and I was like, no, I hate research. And that's all that there is. And then I was like, well, what's close to that physics kind of. So I started, I studied physics and I did my associates in physics. And then I was like, oh, that's research too. I'm going to do engineering because that's physics applied. Right. So I studied like three years of mechanical engineering to do astronautical engineering because you know okay it's connected to the world. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I was like I'm gonna work at NASA I did some community college week internship thing at oh, NASA. Yeah, in Florida yeah yeah well actually I went in uh Virginia okay yeah so they selected me to go to Virginia and I saw all these people around me and I mean I I mainly had guy friends because that's all engineering mm-hmm. is. And mm-hmm. they all were so passionate and after school would go build these things. And I was like, this is so lame. <laughs> I was like, this is so boring. I don't know how to apply this. My brain can like, I can do the math and the physics after, you know, 17 hours of trying, mm-hmm. right. I have to apply myself, but then to actually apply it to real life. But I didn't want to keep switching around. So I, I hated it. Um, and I spent, you know, about, I, I dedicated a lot. I had an engineering related job. It wasn't actual engineering. It was just materials counting it, but I was dedicated to try to stick to something. And then I had one year and this was when my husband went for training too. So he was gone for like 10 or 11 months, but I was just so low. I was transferring from community college now to university. And I was like, oh, should I do computer science? That's kind of, you know, I feel like I would like that more because rocket science is hard. So um, I was like, how can I, I don't actually apply this in real life. I'm not going to be good at this, you know, and I didn't want an office job just sitting around. I didn't, you know, it wasn't very social. It's, I don't know, it was very intense, especially me wanting to work at Boeing or NASA or something. So I had a whole year of applying to different colleges and um, I got into Boulder. University of Colorado Boulder Mm. and I was like oh my dad lived in Colorado Mm. and they put me as an in what is it in-state tuition like resident because my dad which that was really nice yeah and I was like yeah I'm gonna go to Boulder that's gonna be great college life whatever well not really you know I was with my boyfriend but (laughs) yes actual college life of leaving right so I was stuck between that or the university in Miami that was local um and I was like oh I don't know I don't know if I should live in Boulder that's a lot of money and so I just stayed at FIU which I hated and I was stuck between computer science or engineering you know and there were decisions that I was stuck on that I didn't even want to pursue so it was one whole year of just that Mm. of being kind of tormented to keep going and keep going and knowing this isn't it like what is it what is it what is it and in my engineering related job I had a um a friend, she was a coworker and she was going to take my job when I went to Boulder because I was going to go. And then last minute I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I was training her and she told me about 
God and her church. And I was like, that's great. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. And I was getting into it with my best friend to try to go to church, but we weren't, you know, it was like seven months that we weren't going to go. We didn't go. And then she told me that she had home, not home births, birth center births, and they were unmedicated and natural. And I was like, that's a thing. <laughs> I was like, you did that? And she was like, yeah, I did it with my two kids. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, yeah. I see you completely differently now. Mm. I thought she was so strong and so amazing. And because my mom always grew up saying like, it's so terrible. The pain is terrible. You know, I want to see you without an epidural. You'll never do it. Nah, nah, nah. So I was just like, no, that's impossible. You can't do that. Um, you can't not use an epidural. So she was just telling me about it. And she was just so nonchalant. And I was like, wow, I mean, it really sparked something in me. I was like, that's nice. amazing. And she was like, yeah, you can do like midwifery or something. And I was like, nah, not going to do that. I took that biology <laughs> class. That. She, oh, she, oh, I was like, I took that biology class. I'm not going to go down mm-hmm. that route. I hate mm-hmm. all of that. Um, but she told me to go to her church. So after, you know, seven Sundays of not going, I went and um, I, you know, started feeling closer to God. Me and my best friend went together and then I was saved. So this was October 28th, 2019. And it was so surreal. And I was just sitting there and I was every Sunday really fighting, you know, like, God, just tell me what I'm supposed to do kind of. Mm-hmm. And it was me just using God, right? Just, you know, I just need to find my purpose. So, you know, just tell me that. And it wasn't the main thing of being saved, right? And I was just sitting there and I was trying really hard during worship, like, oh, it's my, it my purpose thinking about it and then I was like you know what I'm done I'm not going to try that like if if it happens it happens whatever I'm obviously not coming here for the right reasons so um that night we have to do these connect group things so this girl next to me you know she was like yeah you know why don't you pursue midwifery and I was like it was a stranger and I was like mm, what do you have to take what classes and she's like anatomy physiology all excited and I was like that's gross I'm not doing that <laughs> I was terrible at biology. Okay. I failed every, I had to drop out in the middle of it because I already had an F in the class after mm. three weeks. So I can like, do physics, but not biology. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. That's too much memorizing. So, um, she was like, yeah, you should do it. I know they have a campus here and here. And I was like, okay. Um, no, thanks for the insight. That's great that you're doing it. I mm. think that's Amazing. Oh, she was doing. She it. was pursuing okay. and that was the CNM route that she was. No, CPM. Oh, because she was okay. going to go to Florida Traditional School of Midwifery. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I think that's amazing that you're doing that. That's beautiful. Um, but no, I'm good. And then that night, I was saved. I the minute that I was like, I'm not going to try anymore. Like this, I'm going. I'm thinking about this for you know the wrong reasons, right? And. Uh, we were just sitting down and the pastor was like, oh, if you, you know, want to have a relationship with Jesus, just raise your hand, you know, and he said a prayer and I had raised my hand and out of the like 150 or 200 people there, it was a youth night. So it was all of us the same age. There was maybe 10 people that raised their hand, but I was the only one that left my hand raised the entire time. And I was very dedicated to, you know, wanting to have this relationship, not just find my purpose. So apparently I was the only one that had my hand raised up and everyone put their hand down like, yeah, I want to be saved. And then they put their hand down Mm -hmm. and he just kept praying and praying. And I felt like this physical touch in the tips of my fingers and it went down and it kind of skipped my wrist and kept going down and over my shoulders and me being a skeptic, I was like, 
this is some BS. Like this isn't real. <laughs> my arm fell asleep before. And then it skipped over my shoulder and it just went to my chest. It was, you know, in my heart. And I was just like, I, I just started sobbing uncontrollably. And I just felt all of this light, right. And love. And I, I knew like I was saved at that point and I had a different perspective and I gave my life to Jesus and yeah, it was amazing. And two days before, actually, my dad was, has been a super atheist for a very long time. <laughs> and he was telling me how he's been getting closer to God too. Oh. But we, so we were going through the same journey, but together, well, separate, separate right? Yeah. But together. So we share that now a lot. And mm. so that was in October of 2019. And I was like, yay, I'm saved. And I love Jesus, which, you know, I do. Um, but I was also like, well, what's my purpose? So I was constantly praying, constantly praying, um, but I'm not, I wasn't the type to pray publicly right sure. now I am, but, um, so it was October and then, you know, December came along, January came along, my husband was away and I was just so down and work was really hard on me. And I, you know, was waking up at seven or six, going to work at seven, going to school at one, eating lunch, going to class till six, having to do homework until I don't know, nine to take that test that I knew I wasn't supposed to be taking because mm-hmm. I just didn't, heart wasn't in it. Yeah. I didn't want to drop out because then I was just floating around and my mom would not like that. So I was like, okay, just tell me what to do. And then I will drop out. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was, I would pray saying, you know, if you want me to be a plumber, I'm going to be a plumber. I have no problem with that right. because I know that whatever you want me to do, you know, it, it, that's why you put me in the womb to begin with, right? Like you had these plans for me and I know that you will provide in whatever I need. I don't. So I wasn't until another youth night there, you know, they had these prayer circles up front and you can go individually. Um, it's kind of private, but I would never do that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, a song came on and I just started crying. Cause this, at this point I was crying multiple times a week for like a month or two months, just really down, not knowing what to do. And I was just like, okay, I need to just, I need to get out of my comfort zone and go pray about it. And, um, the pastor's daughter, she prayed for me and she asked God to bring a peace upon me, you know, and to guide me. And when she said that, I immediately felt like everything was lifted off of me. I didn't know my purpose yet, but I felt, you know, okay, I needed to surrender myself. Right and not care about what people thought or not think that this is weird. Like I just need to surrender myself and show like I'm yours and I need to know, you know, showing I, up fully. I'm, just, I'm showing up fully. Yeah. So like me raising my hand when I was saved, that was a lot for right. me. So uh, I did that. And then I just felt better. I wasn't crying every week. Yeah. And it was maybe, I don't remember the timeline, two weeks or a month after that I was at work and a coworker who also, he was older than me, but he was also doing engineering. He was like, oh, dude, you know, that circuits class that you're doing, you know, how is it? Did you do the project? And at this point I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so effing tired of this. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. Right. <laughs> I'm already at work. I don't need to talk about this, but I was more at peace with it. So I just thought, you know, I don't really care. I'm just going with the flow. And if I fail, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and I went back to sit at my desk and I was going to look something up. And then this random thought of midwifery came up in my mind and doula. And I had never heard the word doula before. It was, you know, so I was just like, what is this? As if I had never heard of these things before in my life. So I, which I did, and I'll mention that, but I looked up midwifery and being a doula and I was like, seems pretty cool. And I was excited about it. 
And then the next three, two to three days, I just started researching midwifery and being a doula. And I watched uh, the business of being born. And then I just knew, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I found the CPM route and the pet process and how it's more of an apprenticeship based, you know, style. And I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm always advocating how college sucks and I hate college (laughs) and the apprenticeship route, we should get that back. Right. And we should learn from other people's experience of actually doing things. And I was like, I can't believe they had this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Not go to nursing school and not, you know, and I, the business of being born actually really opened my eyes. I was like, wow, that's amazing. It's amazing how 15 years later, it's still such a powerful film. (laughs) And more prevalent than ever, I feel. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what really opened my eyes about home birth. So I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then I was thinking about how it was all connected, you know, to know that it truly was my purpose from God. And when I had first gotten a job out of high school, uh, a coworker also, she was telling me she wanted to pursue midwifery. And I was like, wow, what is that? I didn't even know what the word was. And she was like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I want to do that. What do you have to do? Oh, anatomy and physiology. And that was before I was traumatized by that biology. <laughs> oh, so I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm good. And fell off the radar. <laughs> yeah, fell off. Like my heart was hardened, and nope, I'm not going to do that. And then um, after that, it was Jay, my coworker, the mom who had mm-hmm. the birth, birth center. center birth. Yeah. And then um, I told my husband about that. Like, man, Jay's so cool. She had these birth center births, and she's and she opened my eyes to a lot about vaccines, right, and um, essential oils. And I was like. What is this? I've never uh, heard of any other world. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. And, yeah. And she, so I was like, wow. Um, and we would always just talk about things. And I asked her all these questions because, you know, I was pro-vax, you know, back then. I'm a changed person now. But well, you're sharing your journey of like how you right. just did what you, you were really, told and what you showed. Right. And that's what you did. And, and yeah. that question evolution of yeah. Yeah. So I was, you know, I, I would just ask these questions and she was opening up my mind. I was like, man you and she hated working there Mm. she hated working there she would cry every week about working there and she told me that she felt you know she had this audible voice tell her you're exactly where you're supposed to be and and she's super christian too so you know she just knew i'm supposed to be here when i left she left and Ah. it was like my my chapter there is like and the two of you needed to be there together yes Yes. and then you both had to leave yeah have you talked to her since to let her know where you are now (laughs) okay okay i told her you know when i was saved because we were still in miami together and um so yeah i told her all about that and then it was the girl that night that i was saved next to me and then michael my husband was just like why don't you pursue midwifery why don't you pursue why are you doing engineering he really likes building and you know so when he would talk to me about building cars and all this stuff i gosh I'll just fall asleep and starting right like I'm back in school I would tell him like please stop talking I just don't want you to waste your breath anymore this is so uh, but yeah she she knows about it she actually had another baby oh yeah and yeah and she he's so beautiful and um yeah she had it at the birth center again and it was just amazing so I all these points you know where God was like hey look I'm telling you right Mm -hmm. and I just ignored it and so I, you know, looked up all of this stuff and I was looking into home birth midwifery and how to do it. And then three days later, I just emailed all my teachers and I was like, oh, I'm dropping out. Bye. 
it was so crystal clear. Wow. Yeah, right. yeah. No, it was so clear. And yeah. I've never been, I've never felt so clear about something. Yeah. Right. It was always just blurry and I don't know. I'm trying yeah, sure. this. I'm trying this. I like this. the idea of it. Right? right. But this, I was like, yeah. And I didn't look up how much do they make or anything. Cause I was like, I don't need to, it doesn't matter. Right. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. And that's all that matters. So yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, how beautiful. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. It's definitely amazing. It's I'm I'm eternally grateful right? Because I now know what my purpose is. And it might, to some people, it's, oh, it's not a big deal, whatever. But I've always felt that since I was little, that I, there's something I was supposed to do. Right. And not knowing, I always felt lost, right? And misplaced. So God, you know, coming into my life and me surrendering my life to him, and then him telling me like, this is why I put you here, right? I think it's so beautiful. So, because that's how I feel that God like he formed us in the womb before he, you know, we were formed before, you know, anything he, before what's the, I'm forgetting now I'm reading a lot of scripture, but I'm trying to memorize scripture now, yeah. but before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Right. Uh-huh. And that was also the scripture, the line that made me pro-life. So that's just how I feel about everybody. Right. And that's what really struck with me about midwifery and what he called me to do. So, yeah, I just know I knew. And then I knew I did not want to work at the hospital just because I learned all these things about home birth and all the interventions and the cascade and doing my dual workshop too, that actually opened my eyes a lot too. So I was like, no, I don't need to, I, I'm not meant to work at the hospital. So, and there are women who are, and they're trying to change, you know, all those cascades of interventions and have a middle free model of care at the hospital, but that's not what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I'm supposed to support women who want this choice. And that's what I, right. Yeah. That and, they're trying to, they're, they're staying out of that. System. Yeah. And that's, that's, I respect them a lot. Right. The nurse midwives who want to go exactly. in there and change things. Right. A that's lot. their calling. That's their calling. And right. to me, that's a difficult calling. That is a difficult calling. I couldn't calling. do that. Oh, yeah. Me neither. No. <laughs> that's why I don't. Yeah. So I'm like, that's amazing that you're going in there and trying to fight it, you know? And it's rough when you have, you want to do the midwifery model of care and you can't do it or you're limited that's rough. Yeah. Even as a doula, right? Right. And you go to hospital births, like it's hard. So, yeah. Right. Oh, and yeah. then the nuances of different types of doulas, sort of, and how they see their role of what they should and shouldn't be doing. Right. And and some are way more comfortable there than others. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. We had a whole podcast about that. I think yeah. I heard no, that I, one. Yeah. I heard that one, and it actually opened my eyes about what I learned in my workshop. And actually, maybe that's not what doulas should be doing. You know, like we should be advocating, right? That that was something that I had heard in one of your episodes, and I that yeah. opened my eyes a lot. Right? Well, that yeah, my whole thing of like I can't just continue to play this charade. Like if you have me, or if you've read all the books, or whatever that you've done your education piece, that that's not going to happen to you because the reality mm-hmm. is that that's a lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. Like you can't you can't guarantee any of that. So, right. Yeah. So, so, and I agree that it takes a really different kind of personality to be able to navigate and um, digest all of that Mm. and still come out unscathed or or less scathed than others. And my dad, my, everyone in my family was like, why don't you, Oh, if you're doing that, just be an OB. And I was like, you don't understand what it is. Okay. Let's talk about that because I got that a lot too. Right. And it's taken quite a few years for my dad to come around, but a lot of people, my my dad straight up told me, why don't you do it the right way? 
and what he meant was right yeah. go become an be, yeah right the right way go through the right school you know professional get the thing the that paper that really expensive paper you can put on your wall yeah <laughs> um because there's well it's the grooming and my dad is very uh, much so not mainstream in so many ways and in some ways he he is very much so mainstream and he didn't understand why I didn't want to work in the hospital and yeah but now that we're in pandemic mode right he's like oh you were onto something my dad said the same thing my dad everyone's you know everyone's afraid of the hospital now they're gonna yeah. want to give birth at home that's a lot of money and like, yeah that's not the point but sure if it gets you to you know what I'm talking about okay right but many my, roads many roads yeah. so my, mom, my mom it was oh why don't you be an L&D nurse that's uh-huh. oh, so cute everyone right. in Miami all the Hispanic was totally. oh I'm a nurse I'm a nurse yeah. you know uh-huh. and it's just like a basic thing there oh right. yeah you're a nurse that's great um so to my mom I was like you don't get it you don't understand you know mm-hmm. every- and, and then- a lot of nurses are very disenchanted with their work because oh, they yes. have they do the work but then the OB gets all the money <laughs> well, that or then they the then they've done all this work all this time to try to prevent 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 and then someone just walks in and it's like okay this is what we're doing now like and everything shifts gears yeah, yeah. well Ooh. it's that hierarchy right the nurse is just that assistant you don't have power yeah. even though she's the one that labor sits and right. knows mm-hmm. the nuances right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah and you sure they make a lot of money but then 10 years down the line they really hate their life yeah, not all of them but out. most they're well, burnt they, out they experience a lot of trauma yeah a yes. lot of trauma and then you know they say well we don't make enough money and to someone outside like my mom 80 90 100k is a lot of money right but for the amount of work you're doing no it's not for the amount of trauma that you have no it's not and right. nowhere to mm-hmm. process it either. Yeah. Those systems don't really provide good um, networks for processing what you see or experience. Right. It's like so. just another day at work. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad is very, at first, he's like, Buddy, I can see you being an OB because everything you do, you try to be the best at it. And Aww. I'm like, well, I can try to be the best at being a midwife. Yeah. yeah. And so now and he, we need more midwives. Yes. There's plenty OBs. Yes. And that was my thing too, that I want to be a midwife and then teach more women to be midwives yeah. right mm-hmm. that's I want it to be the norm not yeah. just like the one percent of births being I want it to be normal like if you can have a natural normal birth right at home like we did hundreds of years ago even earlier then let's do that to prevent all the interventions and the c-sections and so that women can actually feel empowered of what their bodies can do and be today, connected and be connected because today it's like oh no, I don't need to deal with the pain. I don't need to. And we are disconnected from being women. Right. We're disconnected from being women. We're disconnected from nature. I mean, disconnected from our creator. Like, And and I'll speak to that from the perspective as the daughter of like my family migrated to the States when I was six months old, we left Venezuela. and, And I know we've talked about this a little too, coming from like, you know, the immigrant family and yeah that pressure of like, okay, well now we gotta, you know, assimilate and be more yeah. American. American. Totally. And like go of your roots and in, in, in Venezuela and throughout lots of parts of South America, this is common where people will try to shun the parts of their roots that are indigenous because you want to be more like the right. Spaniards, right? We yeah. are sophisticated. We aren't like those primal Indians that just live in the bush. Like, no, <laughs> we, 
yeah, we're, we're intelligent, and right? Professional. Right. Right. So that's part of why, like, our parents had a hard time understanding, like, wait, but OB, like, and CNN, like, those are understandable titles. I don't understand this ambiguous thing that you're doing. My mom literally <laughs> said, there. she was like, but that was like in the 20s. Exactly. She said that. Exactly. And I was like, no, people still do it. Who? I've never heard of that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a minority of people. <laughs> Not <laughs> a lot, but I was like, well, you know, I'm hoping that it'll grow by yeah. the time I die. Right. So, That's it. I mean, talking to one of my aunties in Venezuela about home birth, and she straight up told my mom one day because her daughter was going to give birth. And she's like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if valentina or, or prima could just birth at home and my auntie's like oh please goodness that's that's old school they don't do that anymore yeah. you know like we're like civilized now like, right i was like we're civilized again, it's like we don't want to be like those primal indians but like, we are sophisticated and we are educated and so that distinction is in large part at least in my family what i've seen is that spaniard versus the indians Right. Right. colonizer mode it really is and wanting to be accepted by the colonizers because when you're in this gray zone of mestizo of like well yes i have indigenous roots and i also have colonizer roots so it's like what am i i'm this blend but i'm like i'm neither one yeah well <laughs> if you go to your cultural roots then you're back to that savage right like think about the words that were used to stomp out people loving their cultures right like you're a savage and you're beastly and you're wild and you know and like all those things that have become so shunned in society but that is like when a woman is giving birth like she gets wild yeah she gets I know savage and she sometimes says mean things yeah (laughs) yeah she ain't a good girl she ain't just so nice yeah I remember Pastor Mari telling the story of a woman that was birthing and she was the wife of another pastor and her favorite word during labor was fuck (laughs) and he was embarrassed he was like oh she never says that she was like and they, were, and they were else? like, you know, and Pastor Mari is a woman of birth and yeah. she's a pastor. She's like, don't worry about it. Like she's got, if that's what gets it out, like she's being channeled, she's channeling, like just yeah. let it, let it flow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But so funny. I'm like, don't be savage. Don't be wild. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> they try to use it in a derogatory way. And that's how the indigenous were perceived. But now I'm like, no, yes, savage, wild. Well, I love then, it. Yeah. And then trying to get back to that. I know, me too. Right. Well, and then women get embarrassed, right? So, like, that's even that, like, the epidural piece of, like, making you calm and collected right. and, yes. and passive as opposed to because you might get embarrassed if you say something or if you move in a way or if you get wild. Too you loud. Know, too loud. <laughs> you know, so it's like, so that's the sophisticated way is by being which is quiet. not a way well, well as yeah. we're learning as we become more and more disconnected as human society right like if you're disconnected from your baby when they're coming out and then your baby is disconnected from you and in a warmer for a while and handled by a whole bunch of other different people and then maybe even in the nursery or what oh I'll take your baby to the nursery so you can sleep mm-hmm. things like that you know and it's like and then the drug, the actual drug infusion that's involved in that separation. And then mm-hmm. we look at like where we're at. Yeah. It's not really a terrible surprise if you just follow the thread back yeah. <laughs> to see like, oh, 
that's that you know and again it's it's hard to talk about these things without kind of sounding like you're demonizing it and maybe yeah, on some level I, it is demonizing it because it's not it's not right that right. we feel disconnected from our children or our families or you know there is maybe it's maybe that is the word hey i don't think you're <laughs> yeah. demonizing demons demons just are what they are <laughs> and, speaking and not speaking about it is also inappropriate mm-hmm. you know and there's so, been enough of that for a long time and that's why and it's not meant to make women feel guilty about right these they, these places they've been put in because that's the other thing is it's like it's not to shame it's not their fault <laughs> because we don't know if i had never gotten into this i was oh, terrified petrified of birth okay right. my whole life I know another thing is I want to be a mother, like four or five kids like that. If I find out that I can't be a mother, I don't know what I'll do with myself. Right. That's something I find terrifying. So I would think, you know, even starting like at nine years old, I was like, how am I going to give birth? No. They're going to have to knock me out and give me a C-section because I'm terrified because of what my mom had told me. Right. So I, you know, and now I'm so excited to get pregnant to give birth not even to have the baby that's a whole other journey but the journey of giving birth right Right. and experiencing that and experiencing what it is to be a woman who transitions into motherhood like it's part of the process and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be put down or shamed it should it's something that we should glorify because that's what makes us us and that's what makes us more connected to our children right, right? well and it's what makes us women it's what makes us women right. period point blank that's what it is so and our ability right yeah. our ability to bring life but i was so scared and if i didn't get into this i would have just been you know i wouldn't have known and i would have just thought i'm just gonna get an epidural and it's fine and even then i was terrified of the epidural Right. So I was like, please knock me out for the epidural and then wake me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I wanted. So the fact, you know, just education and learning, you know, how we did it before, because we don't think about that. Right. So just learning that it's an actual, it's a beautiful experience and it's not something to be afraid of, but to want to be a part of it's, it takes a lot to learn to transition into that, but it's, yeah, it's not shaming the women who want the epidural or who got it, or it's, a lot of the times they just don't know. Right. You know, and that's sad. Yeah. Well, and it's because the stories are 98% of people are, mm-hmm. that story is perpetuated by it's the worst pain in the world. Only talking about the negative birth stories, right? Right. Which there's a lot of. And it could, it's probably not even a <laughs> negative outcome. Like right. mom and baby were healthy and she had a well, they're alive, experience. So healthy. Right. That's, that's the only thing, right? <laughs> that but, means healthy. Alive yeah. Is healthy. <laughs> oh, happy mother, healthy mother, healthy baby. Like that's all yeah. that matters, which there's more to it. Right. But it's the, even those stories where the mom was happy, she had like a tear or she felt the contractions before the epidural or something minor. It could be a negative story completely. Right. right. And dismissing everything else that was good about it right to her so you we only talk about the negative parts of the story right and that's all you hear so of course no one wants to give birth naturally oh yeah (laughs) well and it makes sense why women even go into it fearful because of the stories right and and if the large portion of people giving birth are in this sort of system that doesn't really honor the process then that is also scary, right? So like, it's no wonder that women are scared. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't find it any wonder that, 
you know, because of what you, oh, and then I had a crash C-section. Oh, and then, you know, like I went in healthy and now my baby's in NICU and I don't know why, or they can't explain or whatever. So it's not that surprising. It's, um, but it is. And so wanting to get into it to change the narrative, but working from the outside in is yeah. also just as valid as working from the inside out. Right. Cause I think that people look at folks like us and also think I could never do that. Uh-huh. They're so brave. Right. Well, what if you don't have a resuscitation team? What if you don't have IVs? What if you don't, you know, and they, cause they see that as all of the life-saving. Right. I was thinking about this the other day that it's not the equipment, it's the people. It's the people. It's because at the hospital, we can have the same equipment. Right. I mean, obviously can't do a C-section at home, but most, you know, the resuscitation and all that, we can do that at home. It's, do you have the skilled people to do it? Right. Right. And that's all it takes. It's, it's not the machines that are saving you because who's, who's, who's using all that machines? stuff. Right. <laughs> so that's, I was just thinking about that a few days ago. Right. How that's, you know, a way to talk to people about it. It's, you know, you hire someone who's skilled and who can use the equipment, right? right? Because we can have the same equipment. We can. Totally. So. And, or if you have no equipment, what do you do if you have nothing, right? Because I think about that living in a place where like, if the shit hit the fan and we don't have power, water, resources, medicine, right? Like that could happen. A hurricane could just wipe right through. And then what are you going to do? Right. Oh, the generators are only going to sustain so much. And how are you going to, how, if you lose all tradition? Yes then what are you going to fall back on? Exactly. You can't be dependent on all this. Right, right. So knowing it's not, again, like it's good to know all the stuff and all, and it's also really important to hang on to like, what if you have nothing? Right. I've thought about that over the years of like, oh, what if someone was just giving birth at the bus stop? Because there's a lot of people here who don't have resources. They don't have cars. They're going to take the bus to to the hospital, right? What if somebody's having their baby on the side of the road and- or you're down, driving down the H1 and someone's pulled over and you <laughs> see their birthing, right? Yeah. And you're like, well, I have a few things in my trunk. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the midwife in Texas, she always starts off by saying, what if the apocalypse happens? In the apocalypse, you know, us as midwives, we should know how to suture a third or fourth degree care. Right. We shouldn't be limited to only first and second. And then an OB does the third or fourth. And if the mom doesn't want to leave her house, what are you going to do? Right. You'd rather just have it open there. Or if it is the apocalypse, like we should know how to do these things because back then it wasn't an OB who knew how to do it. It was midwives. It was traditional midwives. Totally. Right. And they really learned from us and then adjusted from it. Right. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's all like foundation. It's all exactly. foundation, yeah. right? It's not savage to know how to breathe into a baby without yes. a machine. Exactly. It's not savage to know how to maintain a hemorrhage without medication. Right. It's it's actually like that's the foundation. Yeah. yeah. That's why, you know, back to that conversation with the like the family thing, he's like, oh no, you're going backwards, trying to go back to the way the those savages did in the bush like no we got to move forward be progressive and be civilized right technology right we're going up going up we're not going backwards i hear that all the time it's not about that it's yes. just maintaining like you can diversify and learn other stuff while still holding on to well, different yeah, knowledge right that's while been around recognizing for a long time. Exactly. where it comes from yeah. just like breach right like we're 
we're losing that. And it's, you know, no, we shouldn't, you know, do breech births, just C-sections. But if there's a mom who's literally giving birth, exactly. breech, what do you do? The OB yeah. can't come in and use their hands and take care of that birth. They can't, mm-hmm. you know, help support that mom. They don't know how. So well, how is it, I don't understand how, how is it better, right? How do you trust a provider that is missing all these skills? Because, and of course, again, it's not their fault. They're not taught this. No, it's right? because academia We're has just, decided not to perpetuate exactly. that knowledge. They're going to honor this instead. So if anything, we're moving backwards, depending too much on one skill set that depends on equipment in one location, right? right? It's how do you serve other people around the world who don't have access to these things? Yeah. Right. You just teach them midwifery skills. Yeah. That's what you do. You don't teach them OB skills because they don't have the things. They to don't be have OB. anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll share a quick story that kind of highlights what you just brought up. <clears throat> it's from Dr. S- well, this documentary that Dr. Sue was in called Heads Up. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the lady's name. If you do, mm-hmm. please mention it. But one lady planned hospital birth. She goes in her baby's breach. Her baby's rumping right so crowning but reverse (laughs) yeah and they don't know what to do other than shove her baby back in and send her in for an emergency sex c-section and this woman says every time she looks in the mirror and sees her c-section scars she's like looking back at her laughing at her mocking her right so can you imagine the trauma this woman carries and has had to work through um because of that because someone just didn't know what to do that her baby was already coming out yeah it's already partially out and they didn't know what to do. There would have been less trauma if they just weren't around. there. Right, right. Exactly. The baby was just born. Well, and what is the effects of, because babies are pure instinct, right? They're pure instinct as they're being born. And that too, it's, it's even that whole thing about like suctioning right away and all this stuff, like denying them the opportunity to use their own reflexes or their own abilities, right? And so this baby that's coming out, fully following its, true instincts intuition of how to voluntary. be voluntary that's what i like to say voluntary it's yeah. not involuntary. like they are voluntarily doing it they based are off com- of instincts right and then that whole like being shoved back up inside legs bound so you cannot and then coming out some other method with all the fear around it right Mm -hmm. like that is a whole nother layer and that's what I always get with the whole like healthy mother healthy baby thing and the whole we recognize that psychology is a mental health is a real thing right but not in this case (laughs) and oh they'll get over it Mm -hmm. well babies they don't remember but then when you hear about people doing hypnosis and all these things that they they do remember cellularly. They do, mm, right? They don't, exactly. I don't understand why exactly. I have this trauma. Yeah. I don't yes. understand why I don't trust this. Right. I, don't, I can't I mean, trust myself and my instincts. And every time I try to be instinctual, it's surrounded by so much fear and I can't trust it. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We'll yeah. just medicate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why gentle birth. We'll just, we'll just continue to numb that out. And then yeah. we'll give you a medication for that medication and then a medication for, and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you'll never know where it stemmed from. Yeah. Which is why we say like, this is the beginning of, of, of life, right? Like this birth matters because how you're born, who you're being received by the energy in the room, it does matter Yeah, mm-hmm. because we are, we are energy beings. We are, you know, we, we're, we have physical bodies and we, we do, I mean, feel you walk up to someone and you instantly are not comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. 
you can't scientifically quantify that, Mm -hmm. but it's real. Yeah. Right. So like, why would it, all these other like nuances of that not be real? Right. And like you said, you know, oh, the baby won't remember and the mom will get over it and it's not a big deal. You know, it's not politically correct to say this because we don't want to make moms feel bad, right, for having an epidural or because they ended up having a C-section or something that it it does affect how you view your child, right? Like you going through the process of labor and giving birth, all the natural hormones that you have right. And feeling empowered that, you know, you went through such hard work for this reward for this gift, this baby. So you, you do have a different outlook and perspective on how you treat your baby and how you feel about yourself. Right. And we don't talk about that because, Oh, but what about the moms that didn't experience that? Well, we should talk about it to educate. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it's, it's, it's not their fault. Right. Like, again, it's, we've are so far away from what we used to be. And from even what other countries do now compared to us, that we can't just keep pushing it away. No, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. No, what's the truth? And let's address it and let's do something about it, right? It's it's not about making people feel better. And people don't like to hear that, yeah. but right, that's not why we're here. Over feelings. We're not here to make people feel better, honestly. <laughs> right. And it, it's to have the uncomfortable conversations, like you said earlier about something else, where we can't shy away from these things. Yeah, they're not always fun. Yeah, sometimes they really are. But sometimes, yeah, it's just uncomfortable. But it's not going to be uncomfortable if you, until you go through it. Well, and that's where the growth is. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that's where the lesson is often in the hindsight and the growth is in those uncomfortable places, places you don't want to go. Right. <clears throat> Going back in and be like, I hate biology, but you know what? I love midwifery. Yeah. So, you know, this is it. There's, there's a, those discomforts. Yeah, so you, you got it. Yeah. It's like birth. <laughs> it's it really it's, it's usually quite uncomfortable yeah but then mind-blowing on the other side and even those women who do experience epidural or c-section or whatnot and then their process on the other side of how they're managing their feelings around it and all of that like that's a place of growth mm-hmm. you know and and many of those women do walk away going wonder if it could have been different I wonder how you know like or again like you can't necessarily quantify if if I did this it would be different because you don't know what the outcome would be either way but to just be able to reflect on it and be like if I have another opportunity how would I choose something differently right and and that is yeah that and we are supposed to grow we are supposed to always learn until our dying hours yeah and that was a beautiful thing to be with Auntie Medra, right? And her dying hours and being like, yeah, I'm still learning. Didn't know what death was going to be like, but I'm here receiving. Right. And so that's mm. that's part of the human existence. Yeah. Something I love too about midwifery is just, this is random, but biblical midwives, yeah. right? And they're literally in the Bible. And I love that this isn't a career, right? And a job that I had to get a piece of paper for. And I have a salary, like- this is some, this is work serving women that has been around. It's the longest job quote job <laughs> in the world, right? Yeah. In history. It's a service. It's a service. It, and I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's, you know, with the licensure and all that stuff, like you're just taking all of that away. Like, who are you to say that all of that time 
doesn't really matter right or it's not good enough mm-hmm. you know like, right it's been around longer than you mm-hmm. so yeah. when some people are really truly chosen this work chooses them and yeah. they're drawn in and I mean I think about that all the time like nothing has stood in my way I didn't have a route of entry other than just attending I didn't have and I didn't let it stand in the way I was that's just okay yeah like this is what I'm being called to do. I just have to show up. And it doesn't really matter if I have, if there's an opportunity to be recognized as such. It's just that like, now's the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that the versus the like being chosen versus choosing and not that choosing is any, if you choose it, it can still be your heart's work and your service and, and all of that too. But there is something about like going into it for the right reasons which is why there's a high thing of burnout and whatnot either, because either numbers, competition, um, thinking this is what you want to do or not, not thinking, but like choosing it as a profession, but then the real nuances of what it means. Cause even in home birth, we have, there's a lot of trauma work, you know, you get deep into people's relationships and their growth and their expansion and having to be able to like mitigate that and still live your normal life. I have to come home to my family and my kids and my husband and not having to carry everybody's stuff. So yeah, a lot of navigating. And and so people are like, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. So thank you for saying that you do want to do this (laughs) over and over. (laughs) Yeah. And despite it all, right. Cause now you've come to Hawaii where there's a very limited amount of preceptors and there's, you know, there's, but there's a really wide view of what midwifery is still, Mm -hmm. which is so great. So, and you getting to sort of navigate that of like, how do you want to move forward now that you see more and more and more of what is possible? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I never, you know, I want to teach other midwives and then that requires to be a preceptor and to get your CPM and to given right but does it but does it it doesn't because did it back then and i'm don't have a cpm and i'm a preceptor (laughs) yeah so i'm that's and i learned from jamie before she was a preceptor i mean qualified anywhere yeah right (laughs) so exactly so that that's opened my eyes a lot too that honestly does it matter no it doesn't it only matters to the people who it matters to exactly and then there's there's still these folks who it's about it's about a human connection it's about your experience it's about what you bring not about what you physically bring even it's how you bring your presence yeah right I just always think back to you know back then there wasn't there we didn't need to be licensed then women just taught women and it just moved on and that's it and then you know with being licensed there's more restrictions that will come up and the government telling you what to do and limiting you and that's a whole other conversation that riles me up but good yeah, I don't want to be limited by you just get out of my life mm-hmm. yeah. yeah right this isn't about you it's oh, about the we'll moms and the babies yeah Come we'll on. give you this license and then you can do what you want except all of these things and it just perpetuates the sphere <laughs> modality too right so I've been on the phone with a neighbor island midwife and her one of her clients had had a previous uh forced induction because she was 41 and five and at 42 weeks she had to be handed over and so then she 
did all the things and then drank a bunch of castor oil and the baby's having D cells. And then she basically went to the hospital and had a C-section, right? And so now she's 42 and a half weeks, maybe 43 weeks. So she's not being forced into having an induction, but all that fear from oh, the first yeah. birth yeah. of like, they already told you if you go over 42 weeks, it's such a danger. So here do all these things that ended up yeah. putting her and her baby into a position where, you know, if the baby just wasn't ready, the baby wasn't ready. And now she's having to navigate all of that while waiting, but not really wanting to do a bunch of interventions because of what had happened previously. So she's in this tumultuous like place. So like, it's hard to just wait sometimes yeah. <laughs> and yeah. trust, you know, Indeed. especially when you've got all these layers and layers and layers of baggage. Yeah. yeah. So I gave um, my 44 week mom and her, I connected them. <laughs> yeah, good. I, yeah, she's I like i'm not giving medical advice i was like nope it's just mom to mom right story time just 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 ground. yeah like mm-hmm. and that it's okay that your story is yours and that my story is mine and if you decide you want to go in whatever but just mom to mom yeah yeah because you know from a midwife's perspective too even you know, I mean, my friend is so lovely and she's just waiting, you know, she's like, no pressure, no pressure, but you might have to hear that from multiple people because the rest of the country or all the licensing places or whatever, they if, don't you know, allow it. Yeah. It's like, unacceptable behavior. How could you, how could you wait over 42 weeks? Yeah. All those things. You right? must be a bad mother. That must be it. Like, you're not just going in for an adoption. You just want the, you just want the experience. <laughs> you're so selfish. <laughs> oh, you must be a hippie too. Yeah. So oh, natural. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Uh, no, it's real. So, those are the things. That's why it's funny because it's true. Like yeah. these are the things that we get dubbed as. But again, like then we also see everyday miracles mm-hmm. because because we're willing to stand with the woman yeah mm-hmm. so Gianni we're in our last moments here of our podcast is there any last thoughts you want to share or anything you really want people that might be at the beginning of their student journey or pondering it something you really want them to know or whatever your final message <laughs> something that you had brought up about you know the first you know the mom and now she has all this baggage from her last birth for me it's the first time moms right that it's you know it should be spoken to them because you hear all these stories of, you know, oh yeah, I waited until 42 weeks, then I was forced to get an induction and ended up in a C-section. And I always ask those moms like, oh, how did your mom birth, right? And labor and how far did she go and your aunts? And because it's related, but nobody asks them that, right? And oh yeah, my mom had like four C-sections because she also went to 42 weeks. Don't you think that maybe that's normal for you like it's I always say cardio and um, orthopedics and pediatrics all these fields of medicine we can apply it to a textbook right our bones are the same our heart is the same our brain is the same but women are not the same like this should be individualized and that's the problem with this medical minded you know route of care that you you can just say this woman applies to what the textbook says and we're going to treat her like this Every woman is different. Some women give birth at 38 weeks and some at 44 weeks. But if you're a first time mom and you don't give it the chance to let nature take its course, you will never know, right? And if you have an outcome like a C-section 
and wants a C-section, always a C-section. If you're too afraid to have a V-back from what you've heard from your providers, you can never try and you don't know. And I, to me, that's so terrifying that you never find out what your body is capable of and what your body is designed to do subjectively. Your true it's potential. your potential. It's not our potential as women altogether. No, we, as women, what makes us together for labor and birth is that we are all different right and that's what's beautiful to not have these standards and expectations to surrender to birth that's what's beautiful that you're not in control and so you can only control how you react to it right you can't control it birth controls you so for first-time moms it's you know please educate yourself to know all of your options so you can choose what's best for you so that you don't potentially have that outcome where then you can't choose, you know, just give yourself a chance, Great advice. you know, and I've, <laughs> I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot in the last year of doing this. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that stuck out to me. So it's like, don't try not to get an induction. Yeah. It's not necessary. Like uh, figure yeah. out what your body can do, because if not, you strip that from yourself right. and different right. routes of education. Yeah. Don't yeah. just take your OB's word right. for it or a different OB's word for it. Talk to a midwife, talk to a doula. And what is necessary, like you can decide that for yourself, even if you're not the one with the white coat. Mm-hmm. People think, like, <laughs> yeah. well, how do I know if it's necessary? Just, yes, do the research, look around, talk to people and tune into yourself. Yeah. Right? Talk like, to your baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love you so much, Gianni. Like there's so many parallels in your story that I was like <laughs> writing them down and then like, I don't have time to point them all out, but this is one of those things. Like I have this special place in my heart for the first time moms where yeah. I'm like, you don't have to wait until you have that gnarly birth for not listening to your intuition to be then say oh maybe I should listen to yeah. the intuition right you can claim your power from the beginning right just because it's the first time doesn't mean you don't know things because there's some first time moms that amazing they get an induction and five hours later the baby's born and it worked out perfectly sometimes and totally, some that's totally. 36 hours and it's a c-section right and how do you know how you're going to be with an induction oh but how do you know how you're going to be with labor right. right why don't you give labor a chance you know right so yeah it's it could determine your other kids and how their birth goes so absolutely because then are you bringing baggage or and right what kind are you and and is it physical is it emotional yeah yeah so true yeah great advice that was awesome yeah yes that was a bang that was well fun. we're so <laughs> glad you're here with us in hawaii i'm glad too i'm glad too even if there's sometimes i'm like oh my gosh i you know i really liked texas <laughs> i'm still like i need to be more grateful and i need to just i need to be more positive and look at the things that are i don't know just be more positive overall and take yeah. it in i'm trying to be more joyful in life yeah and not so negative because that can be negative so be more joyful in what there is because yeah it's limited yeah. i probably will miss hawaii when i come back when well, i leave when you so. leave exactly yeah. you know yeah. that student journey reflection like being okay with where you're at right i mean that can be hard in general in life but patience but, patience yeah like yeah. like you said earlier exactly where you're supposed to be yeah <laughs> even I though am. it might feel uncomfortable sometimes right <laughs> and that's where growth comes in so yeah, yeah. bingo yeah, there's a takeaway that's where the growth is all right well you can find us or con- comment uh uh send emails to women on fire podcast at gmail.com you can find us on instagram um, at JME directly or holistic womb arts with underscores between the words. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you and thank you for joining us. 
Gianni, what if people want to follow your adventures? Do oh, you have I'm a place? Post adventures, but <laughs> or my email? Facebook okay. is Gianni Navas, G-I-A-N-N-Y, Navas N-A-V-A-S, or uh, email is gianni.navas at yahoo.com. Perfect. Right. Yeah. There you have it. Thanks for listening. Bye.